We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs at the Club, your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm Dallas Hammer, coming to you guys on the best day of the year. Tom DeLong rejoined Blink-182. That's actually what we're going to be talking about today for the next four hours. That's all. Not Vandal football, not Grizzly football, Blink-182. I'm just kidding. Uh, Brian Marceau might be joining us. He might not be. Who knows? He might be lighting his computer on fire at this exact moment. <laughs> Who knows? But we do have with us producer, seducer, Martin Heemstra. Martin, how's it going down in the Moscow? It's doing good. It's a Tuesday night, and uh, everything's all right in Moscow right now. And last but certainly not least, joining us from Skyline Sports in Montana, the one, the only, Coulter oh. Nuanez. Coulter, so happy to have you back. How you been? Good guys, thanks for doing this with me. Always fun. I, you know, I didn't know that about Blink One Eighty Two. So good tidbit. I'm also here to figure out uh, where Idaho ranks in the uh, the Big Sky Conference band power rankings. They have to be up there. Uh, they they always have a great band uh, in Boise. You know, you notice these kind of things when you sit at an arena in Boise for ten hours a day for seven days in a row. Uh, I also want to know, though, what should I ask John Freeze? So we'll get to that. He's coming on my radio show later this week. So I need some advice uh, for our ESPN roundtable this week. That's a good one. You can see, obviously, there's a great Hall of Fame career as a Vandal. There's also all the NFL stuff you could talk about. I mean, if it were me, I've always wanted to ask him, what does it mean to be one of the handful of jerseys Idaho's retired? There's only a couple mm. of them. Yeah. How did what did it mean to to be retired as one of the greatest to ever walk the the vaunted halls of the Kibbe Dome? Yeah, that's an interesting one because that's such an interesting dynamic in college football now, right? Is schools would retire jerseys all the way up until like the mid nineties, and then they're like, Well, we can't run out of numbers. So every school has like these two, three, four jerseys that are retired, and those guys are just like immortal forever, right? Like it's Dave Dickinson at Montana and you know Bill Kohler at Montana State. But guys, but now here we are like 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago that they played. So that's interesting, though. That's a good one for John Freeze for sure. Or uh, Mark Trivelpiece, the owner of the infamous corner, corner club or f- famous corner club, depending on how you want to approach it, uh, saying, ask him his favorite club story. And I think that is that is probably one that should be aired on Tubs at the Club. But hey, if you want to get it for your radio show, go right ahead, Coulter. This is Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. Let's just jump right into it. We're talking Little Brownstein. That's what Coulter's here for. We're here to pick your brain. You can pick our brains. Not that there's a whole lot going on here between Martin and I. No offense, Martin, but I'm not the smartest dude in the room. Brian's our Brian's our professor. So without Brian, we'll try to make it seem like we know what we're doing. This is, again, Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We're talking Montana, number two in the coaches poll, number three in the stats poll. Coulter, you're the expert. What do we need to know about Montana? Well, it's been a fascinating Grizz season already because, uh, I mean, as a lot of Idaho people know, Montana has exceedingly high expectations always as a fan base. I think that's what happens when you 
roll like Montana did for, you know, a good probably 25-year span. I mean, between 2000 2009, the Grizz won 119 games. That's the most by any college football program ever in a 10-year span like that until North Dakota State came around this last 10 years. And so the, the fan base got spoiled. But I think that people want to say the Grizz have national championship expectations. Uh, every year, but it's only been really realistic. This, I mean, this year is the first year it's been re- been realistic in the last 12, 13 years. I mean, this is the first really good team that Bobby Houck has had since he's been back. The Grizzlies have been good. They've, they've been good the last couple of years, but they have not been, like, outstanding. What, what their level of, of expectation is, they haven't been there yet. And I think they are this year. But I also find this game this week, Fascinating because the Grizz uh, have looked incredibly good in certain areas. I think they also still have pretty defined weaknesses. And they haven't played anybody. I mean, I think people wanted to believe that South Dakota and Portland State are better than they are. I think they're fine teams. But I I would like to believe that Idaho is better than those teams. And uh, so I think it's fun. You know, there's a jolt of energy there at Idaho with Jason Eck at the helm. And I think that makes... Idaho more interesting, which I think is then in turn way better for the league because it's, it makes so many of these games way more intriguing. And so I, I think this is an interesting one because I, I think that this Grizz team, they're battling two different things right now. They're battling sort of this this hype machine that keeps building, uh, and they're also battling their own expectation because I do think that Bobby Houck knows, you know, this is by no means like his last chance to make a run at Montana. This is his last chance to make a run with his son as a senior captain and an All-American candidate, though. I mean, it's one and done. That's all they got. So they're definitely trying to, to roll as hard as they possibly can. Did the guy make it? Did, this, did, you, did you get in? There's nothing worse than techno, technological struggles. I feel bad for you, buddy. Yeah, dude. So I have heard, I've heard nothing. I'm stoked to interrupt the flow of talking about a football game so I can now go for 45 minutes on my tech troubles. Love but uh, yeah, it's been 30 minutes. I can't fucking hear a thing, but I'm back. So, hey, good to see everyone. Coulter, whatever you're talking about, please keep going. I was just talking about just Montana sort of battling the weight of their own expectations because I think that n- nothing is going to be good enough for the Grizz this season except for truly going undefeated and, and making a run all the way to the national championship. I think that is truly – their internal expectation. I think that's largely the external expectation. But I also think it's uh, it's just interesting that Idaho just seems like a totally rejuvenated program. And it's crazy. I mean, it's not like they have, and no offense to you guys, but not like they have some powerhouse wins. I mean, I think NAU's all right. It's a tough place to play. Okay. Uh, I don't think Northern Colorado's good. And, uh, you know, Drake's Drake. They don't really have much of a football uh tradition since Rob Ash left there some 15-something years ago. But I do think Idaho is a lot better. And I, But I also think more than anything, they're a lot more interesting. You know, it's like an old athletic director told me once upon a time, it's not necessarily about winning. It's about the hope of winning. And Idaho's had the hope of winning, but now they have a guy who actually, like, ignites that hope. And I think it just makes Idaho and this matchup with Montana just that much more interesting. So I'll I'll lead the next one to to give Brian kind of a a second to to find his footing here. Coulter, what is it about this team? You said that this might be the team that that really can compete for for a title. What is it specifically about this year's Grizz team that that separates themselves from from maybe the other teams in Hauk's second run here? I think a lot of different things. I mean, I think that this is 
uh, a pretty large and very talented group of seniors. I think Patrick O'Connell, the outside linebacker, uh, pass rushing specialist, I think he's playing at uh, as high of a level as any defensive guy I've seen at Montana, honestly. I think he's one of the best excuse me, guys coming off the edge that they've ever had. And uh, he's surrounded, though, by a bunch of really veteran players. For those that have studied the Grizz or watched the Grizz, they run this really unorthodox, really, really high-pressure defense. They they blitz on like 80% of their plays. But that's also because they run a three-man front. They stun a lot with it. They're basically bringing five or bringing six all the time. And the fact that they've upgraded their secondary has made it a lot more uh, feasible, a lot more plausible. But, you know, like just with everything in life, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, right? And their aggressiveness is their greatest strength. It's also their greatest weakness. I think that attacking Montana's defense is defined. You attack the middle of the defense with, you know, an intermediate to deep passing game. And the, the three teams that did that last year, Sac State, Eastern Washington, James Madison, they beat the Grizz. Because it's not as if the, the, uh, the Grizz are just completely immune to giving up big plays. They just play so hard. And that's what I think has made this team so good, though, is now they have seriously 25 guys that are drilled for multiple years in this crazy system where you just sprint to a spot. You just fill a gap. You know, every, It's pure chaos or it's organized chaos. They have so many guys that can do it now, which is very impressive. It's very impressive to watch them practice. I mean, they were one of the most fun teams to watch practice I've, of any team I've ever covered uh, just because they do have so much depth and they rotate so many guys. But then I think the other part that, that makes them a real contender is I think they have true explosive abilities on offense. And I think that that comes from first the addition of um, Lucas Johnson, the, the, uh, the grad transfer quarterback from San Diego State. Uh, and then I also think it comes from the fact that, you know, last year they were so banged up at running back, but then a lot of young guys got reps. And then all of a sudden now you got your main dudes back in Marcus Knight and Nick Osmo. Xavier Harris is a sophomore, and boom, now you got three really good running backs. And it's just across the board. They've done a great job with depth. Uh, you know, for as much as Bobby Houck says he hates the transfer portal, I mean, they got 11 transfers starting out of there, 22 starters. So, you know, he's, he's feasted on the transfer portal, done a really good job bringing guys in. And I, then I think their biggest X factor is I think that they're inarguably the best team in the country on special teams. I think that they change games with their special teams more than any team that I've seen in the big sky in a long time. I mean, they've already blocked two kicks this year. They've already taken a punt back for a touchdown. They almost housed another kick. I mean, Bobby Houck is good for two, three, four returns for touchdowns every year. That's a tried and true from his time between Montana the first time, UNLV, uh, San Diego State, and then now back at Montana. So, uh, but, but that's not to say, I, you know, people have asked me, is this the best Grizz team ever? I don't think that they are. I, I think that they're a long ways from that. If they keep winning, they can get into that territory. But they're not there yet for me. But I do think this is the most complete team Coach Houck has had in his second stint at Montana. And I also think that uh, this is the best team the Grizz have had since probably last decade, since probably Bobby Houck's first stint uh, at Montana. Yeah, offensively is one of the things to me that stands out this year. I mean, look, last year the Grizz were a final eight team. And – Honestly, compared to the top half of the Big Sky, Montana's pretty shitty offensively. Oh I mean, no, Montana was bad offensively for last yeah, especially, year. Especially, especially when Chris Brown was in there. And look, Chris Brown sure. is not a put down to the dude, but in terms of productivity, like it clearly was not there. 
And Lucas Johnson has been, I mean, he looks like the perfect Bobby Houck quarterback in the dude's tough. He's a threat both on the ground and through the air. Um, he's not throwing like, you know, 35 times a game. Cause I, I don't think Bobby Houck wants a team that, you know, plays like, you know, Eric Berrier last year or something like that. But Lucas Johnson's accurate. He can stretch the field. Doesn't make a ton of mistakes. His accuracy is, you know, 67% right now. Uh, that's, I mean, all those things are a huge upgrade offensively relative to last season. And like you already hit, uh, Bobby Hawk teams are going to be good special teams and defensively. Now the Grizz certainly have not been tested this year. I'm not going to count Idaho state. Yeah, I know it was close. That was a 28 to six game until, you know, essentially mailing it at the end. Um, you know, this Grizz team hasn't, hasn't had a test. Like, you know, Idaho looked fine against Washington state, not saying they're that good, but Hey, they were tested and they looked okay. Uh, Idaho is going to be the first probably at least okay team in my mind that that's on Montana's schedule. They have a pretty dang rough second half of the se- of the season coming up. Um, but I guess that, that to me, the, the test for Montana of, Hey, we're, we're playing a, they're playing a solid team and kind of the test for Idaho of, Hey, we, Idaho looks good after winning the run of three, you know, an, an easy run of three games for Idaho, but Idaho won all the games convincingly if Idaho is going to try to make a step into the top tier of the conference. No, I don't think people should assume they're there yet, but showing up against Montana for the first time since dropping down the big sky is that's where you got to do it. Well, you, you can only be who you play. Right. And, you know, I, I, I am fascinated by Idaho. You know, I, I try to get glimpses of as many of the big sky games as I can each week. And Andrew Houghton, who helps us at skyline sports, he, does his big sky scramble every week where he, he kind of goes into the film and looks at some, you know, trends within trends or, or highlights within the game that sort of uh, tell bigger stories from around the league. And that's, that'll come up later on this week, by the way. But um, I try to watch a little bit of all the games, but you know, obviously focus heavily on the Montana schools. And I also though have watched Idaho three times uh, pretty much the whole game. And, uh, they, they're, I mean, it's not just that they're pounding bad teams. Like they're, they look way better. Like they look, they look way more organized, I guess is what I should say. Cause I, I've said this on this podcast before, like Idaho bangs, man. They, they had been one of the most physical teams in the league since they came back in the league and their best players, especially on defense have been like, you're like, Oh, that guy, I'm remembering him. He's like a first team all league guy. Like Caden Ellis and Trey Walker were both like really good. Like those guys would play at the schools we cover the most intensely for sure. Um, but they also just seem to lack discipline and uh, lack organization and lack creativity. And I think I've seen organization and creativity and, and those things when you watch Idaho early on here. So, I mean, I think Jason X doing a good job. And I know he's waited a long time to get this shot. And, uh, I mean, I know he was only at Montana State for one year. And Rob Ash, you know, has varying opinions about him around the state of Montana, mostly just because his record against the Grizz was skewed. But Ash was a guy who was a head coach for 40 years. And he's kind of the head coach of the head coaches, right? And, uh, I mean, that's what he was. He was the president of the American Football Coaches Association. A, a good guy to be connected to, I guess what I'm saying. And, and I know that Eck wanted to learn from Ash that one year. And then also he gets to go learn for uh, – under John Stiglmeyer, who, who's one of the longest tenured coaches and, and a guy who's done a hell of a job at South Dakota State. So I, I think that Eck, Eck is a guy that's waited his turn for a little while, and I, I think it's cool to see that he's got an opportunity. I don't know what Idaho's going to be like by the end of this year, 
but I do think that he will get Idaho going a little bit. And I, I don't know how long it'll take, but I think that, I mean, he already has them going a little bit. I think they look pretty good. Well, they, they look pretty good with mostly the same players from last season. It's totally. really just been a change in the coaching staff. Obviously, there's some new faces. Uh, Anthony Woods probably being the most known of all of them, being a true freshman leading the totally. team in rushing. But totally. What about Johnson? Is he from? Uh, is he a transfer too? Jermaine uh, Jackson was actually yeah, right. a, Petrino, a Petrino guy, transferred he in. A, he was a JC guy under Petrino, though. Yep, right? yep. Okay, and uh, the spring season played maybe four snaps and tore his ACL uh, and then has been oh, on the shelf for a couple of years. So um, you know, a lot of these guys that are making strides are Petrino's guys. So for sure, got to give Eck that credit in that this team seems to be much more prepared um, and much more much more soundly coached than they had been in the past. Um, but the, I guess kind of what's the, what's the story we should be looking out for, for, um, I'll go to Brian first and then Coulter, I'll let you react. Brian, what's, what's kind of the story of this game for Idaho? If Idaho is going to win or maybe if Idaho gets blown out, what's, what's the big story that's going to happen in this game? Well, this is Idaho's chance to assert itself within the big sky as having ascended. Look, we, we've talked on this show, Coulter already brought it up. You're right. You only play who you can play. And Idaho did beat the shit out of the three teams that, that Idaho beat. But for Idaho to start winning, to to be contending for the playoffs, we have to pick off two wins against a combination of Montana, Sac State, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, if we're going to get to that seven. And hanging tough with beating or hanging tough with Montana, I think would be a huge step for Idaho in terms of FCS legitimacy. We're already, we're just outside the top 25 receiving votes and having a strong showing against your know, top, top five team in the, in the nation. And also one of the prestige um, programs in the nation. I mean, that's a story is Idaho's our Idaho for the first time in forever. Look, we've had Idaho's has three road games. Idaho's shown up for all three that did, that has not happened since Idaho's been in the big sky, but in FCS games, close like like hanging tough against wsu it's not going to be enough idaho needs to actualize some of these um, efforts against the better teams and a win against montana would be a huge symbolic step a literal and symbolic step forward for idaho uh, which also for montana the separate question is this is the first kind of test of playing a team that looks like they could be pretty good for the grizz everyone knows they're good but it is the first time and we are kind of halfway through the season yeah, I uh, I think that Paul Petrino, for for all of his faults, he was one of the hardest coaches in the league to blow out. <laughs> and the the one like the, I just watched them against Montana State. So I guess maybe my memory is skewed because I only watched them play like one point games against the Cats live like three times. There was the close one, Jeff Choate's first game. Yeah, I think it was the year or maybe two years before Idaho came back to the league. And uh, then there was the one-point game in Bozeman uh, when Mason Petrino completed like a million passes for like 200 yards. And uh, <laughs> Troy Anderson was playing quarterback, and the Cats had the ball for like 18 minutes, and they they still won the game somehow. Um, but I, I guess what I'm saying is that the, the one guy who loves blowing out Idaho is Bobby Houck, and they've blown out Idaho a couple times since Idaho's been back in the league. Uh, so only three in three years, right? <laughs> right. 
I know I do think it is important for Idaho to be at least have a semblance of uh, competitiveness in this game. But um, I don't know. I also think it's gonna be so interesting to see, like like the Grizz just avalanched uh, Portland State. Portland State came in with a good game plan and was hanging tough for the first quarter and a half, and then it was just boom. Once the momentum shifted. That's what I'm so interested in to see in Idaho because Idaho actually can handle, has been able to handle that at moments in time against the Grizz in the past. Uh, I just want to see how they handle it on Saturday. More importantly, I want to see how Eck handles it. I want to see how the coaching staff handles it because he's been here, he's been to Missoula before, but a uh, whole different scenario when you're talking about as a head coach for the Vandals. To me, the the whole story of this game is just the pressure is on for Idaho. This is the first game to me that has felt like this truly matters. This truly is the game where the season can change. Uh, losing to Indiana and Washington State, they're power five schools. You you expect to lose those. You expect to get your shit handed to you in those. Uh, that's Petrino was quite known for that. Even when they were an FBS school, just getting blown out by power five schools. Fighting against those two teams, tough, really awesome. But at the end of the day, it's a loss, and you expect those losses. The next three games: Drake, Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona. Yes, Northern Arizona is you know the kind of the the back marker you look to be better than and say if you're better than Northern Arizona you're at least mediocre, but Drake is is Drake they're not particularly known for football and then Northern Colorado is the worst team in the league other than Idaho State so this is the first game for Idaho that means something if you if you show up to this game maybe if you don't even win it but you you have that moral victory where you show up. You fight for all four quarters, and you don't get blown out like you typically have been since you returned to the FCS. That's a, that's a sign for Idaho that this is a team that that can compete for a playoff spot. For Montana, I look at this as this is the this is the the put up or shut up moment. If you don't come out and and look really good against Idaho, are you really the national championship contender that that you're trying to be? This is the game that you kind of have to prove. You've played three cream puffs and two mediocre to bad teams this year in South Dakota and Portland State, this is this is that time to, to kind of prove it. What's what's going to be kind of the X factor in this game? Uh, maybe one from each team. Uh, Brian, who are you thinking? The, the first matchup I'm looking at is uh, Montana at this point is giving up 2.2 yards per rush on the season. Uh, it's understood Montana's a very good defensive team. And Jason Eck, though he is flexible at play calling, we've seen we've seen him, Luke Schleisner, respond to if the team cannot rush as well, uh, opening up pass play pass plays a little bit more. But we also know, look, Idaho's calling around not quite two rushes per pass, but around like one and a half rushes per pass. Jason Eck's been open since his first press conference about the team uh, wanting to establish the run. And I guess if Idaho can run on Montana is the first thing I'm looking at. And second, if Montana handles Idaho's rush attack, like Montana's handled most rush attacks this season for most games, um, how quickly will Luke Schleisner and co uh, open up the playbook and see if Giovanni McCoy can beat Montana? Cause like Colton, you already talked about intermediate to deep passes is how you is the best recipe offensively going against Montana. I know teams in the past have had success specifically targeting Robbie Houck. Um, in, in the passing game, Eric Berry is an example, but Eric Berry is also a different kind uh, in terms of talking about big sky quarterback. So I guess that initial matchup of strength of Idaho rushing against an extreme strength of Montana, uh, stopping the run. I mean, yeah, spot on. Is inter- I mean, 
the Grizz are going to erase the run. That's what they do. They completely sell out. I mean, their scheme is so uh, – it, it's so easy to define in its in its ultimate goals, even if it's hard to define, like, what the actual schematics are because it is very complex to all the zone blitzing and stuff that they do. But they're erasing the run. They're challenging you on the outside. They're going to hit your quarterback every single time he drops back. Can the kids stand in there and make a throw down the middle of the field? Can you exploit them over the top? Can you – I mean, they, they play three safeties all the time. So you can get a one-on-one matchup against Robbie Houck or Nash Fouch or Garrett Graves or whoever it is, and can you win? And, you know, when it's Talolo Limu Jones catching passes from Eric Berrier, you can win. You know, when it's those stutter receivers from James Madison you know, catching passes from Cole Johnson, you can win. And so can Giovanni McCoy stand in there? I think that's uh, the key for Idaho. For the Grizz, I think – Hey, one more thing there too, Cole, just, just before sure. you go. Part of why I reference play calling is if you haven't watched all Idaho games, the Schleisner has been slowly letting McCoy pass a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, McCoy was certainly protected a ton in terms of play calling in the first cu- in the first couple weeks. Northern Colorado to me was the game was one of the first games where it felt like truly they chose to lean on McCoy a little bit. So like you can see building trust, but we we haven't yet seen an Idaho game where it was clear that the team understood heading in, throwing the balls, how they're going to be successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they'll know right away. That's the way that they can beat Montana because I mean, the only mismatches they're going to have on offense is their receivers on the perimeter. Maybe. Uh, yeah. But they, they're going to have to find out. They're going to have to test it. I think the biggest challenge for the Grizz is Bobby Houck is so calculated in the way that he coaches his teams and the way he tries to build momentum within the scope of the season and sometimes that calculation goes overboard into arrogance thinking he can control everything but in terms of the formula that he had for this team the the entire goal was to be going into the Sac State game 6-0 having blown out everybody that they've played and it hit a little bit of a hiccup last week not blowing out Idaho State I mean they were a couple yards away from being up 35-6 and then probably trying to push it to even make it worse than that. But um, the the first part of this grand plan <laughs> that Bobby Alk has, it, it starts with Idaho. And uh, you, so you can't, you can't be looking ahead to Sac State. You can't be looking ahead to Weaver State. That's the pivotal uh, stretch of Montana's season if they really are to you know chase a top two seed and home field advantage and all the things they think they need to truly make a run in a national title. So um, it starts It starts with this game. And so I just think they can't – I don't think that they will, but I, I think they can't afford to look beyond Idaho. I think you guys you guys hit it pretty well on the head there. Idaho's going to have to stand in there and make some throws. Probably Jermaine Jackson is the guy I would expect to see getting shifted around the formation, trying to find a, a way to get him up against the safety and, and hopefully run past Robbie Houck a few different times. Is trainer back? Kind of. He like played a little bit last week, right? He had a couple mm-hmm. catches. That's, I only saw him catch it twice. That's because he only had two catches. He, he only there played for a few snaps. Yeah. Um, trainer, it's kind of we've had guys step up in his. Uh, Dallas, I'll stop filibustering in ten seconds. We've had some guys step up in trainer's absence. So at this point, the team does not really seem like they've missed Teres Trainer. Of course, he's a super talented dude. So if he's there, uh, that's a that's a guy who could be a difference maker based off. I mean, he's, he's about. sweet. He's, I mean, I think he's Idaho's best player if he's healthy. 
he just hasn't been healthy for more than right. you know two or three snaps the entire season. And I mean, they do have Michael Graves that's kind of filled in his position a little bit, but Graves only has nine catches, but it seems like just about every catch is like a 30 yarder. He's just, he's a chunk play kind of guy. Um, what something. About what about the freshman Dwyer? Is he back? We don't believe, we don't believe so. He missed uh, the last two games, right? He missed the last few games. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, he, he might be the best receiver on the team in, you know, even next year, but true freshman injured, uh, unfortunately, probably not going to see him. Um, something you mentioned Coulter that, you know, they did not look particularly good against Idaho state. That being, they being Montana, the terrifying thing for me, that was that Marcus Knight got some run and looked pretty good doing it. Obviously one of those was like a, he had a just over a hundred yards and half of them were mostly on one run, but is Marcus Knight looking like he's going to be the guy? Is it still going to be Osmo and Harris splitting carries? What's, what's kind of the look there? Because if Marcus Knight is healthy, Idaho is very, very, very weak against the run at times. And this, this could be a, a rough game for Idaho. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, man. Uh, I think Marcus Knight's a good player. I think Marcus Knight has always been a good player. He's a great athlete. Um, I think that Marcus Knight in 2019, he was All-American because he scored all of the touchdowns for the Grizzlies. <laughs> but and I'm not taking anything away from that. 25 touchdowns is an unbelievable number of touchdowns. I always thought that Marcus Knight was a very good running back at the Big Sky Conference level. But at no moment in time was he like a top five running back in the league. He's very good. I thought he was probably the sixth best running back in the league in 2019. And that's in a stacked group of running backs with like guys like Isaiah Fonse from Montana State and Elijah Dotson at Sac State before he transferred to Northern Colorado and Josh Davis at Weber State and Alonzo Gilliam at uh, UC Davis. Okay, so maybe, maybe Knight was five right there, you know. But I didn't think he was better than any of those other guys I just named, and that's not a shot to Marcus Knight. All I'm saying, though, is that uh, then in the meantime when Marcus Knight was out, they recruited a three-star dude in Xavier Harris who is the real deal. I mean, Xavier Harris is their most talented running back. And uh, there's been a lot of questions around Grizz Nation, like why isn't Knight the feature uh, coming off the ACL? And he did have 100 yards rushing at last game. And, I mean, he's been a, a, a featured part of the offense. But they seem very dead set on playing a, a three-back offense and – and letting uh, Harris and Knight both get a lot of carries, uh, you know, first through third downs, and also Oswell also being their short yardage guy. So, uh, I mean, to answer your question, I don't think it's necessarily about Marcus Knight. I think it's just about can Montana run the ball. I mean, Montana's run the ball better this year than they have the last couple of years. They're still just, you know, pretty good at it. They're not Montana State or Weaver State. Those teams run the ball incredibly well. Um, but I think that'll, that'll be a matchup to watch because I do think that uh, – Idaho's run defense has left something to be desired a little bit, but I do think they have some dudes that can be great playmakers. And uh, Montana's been good running the ball, but not anything crazy. So that's definitely an interesting part of this matchup. The one way I'd, I'd slightly adjust the angle about Idaho's rush defense is look against FCS teams, Idaho's giving up less than three yards per rush. There's been moments where it hasn't looked as strong. The bigger issue is just team discipline itself. Like the Northern Colorado game, Idaho should have won that 70 to 14. Yeah. The only reason Northern Colorado kept it close was dumb penalties from Idaho and blown assignments from Idaho in the first half that left the middle of the field wide open. Montana is the type of team who, uh, you know, freelancing and bailing on the scheme, which was, look, that's what we were told was the issue with Idaho was uh, line linebackers and, and quarterbacks, uh, 
playing instinctually instead of sticking to the scheme and their instinctual play being uh, wrong, which left the field open. Uh, if Idaho is going to have mental lapses like that, if Idaho is going to continue to shoot itself with personal fouls on the defensive side, which this, this team has been chippy defensively, which mostly I like, yeah. but the level of personal fouls mixed with blow with some blown assignments that just can't happen against Montana. Cause if Idaho is going to be competitive in this game, this is probably not going to be, you know, like a, 42 to 38 fi final score. Right. If Idaho stays close, we're probably talking about a game in the, you know, low twenties. For sure. I mean, yeah, Montana, like, you know, I mean, if you take away the, the last five minutes, of the Idaho state game, they've given up what, like three offensive touchdowns this entire year. I mean, they, they didn't even let a team in the red zone during the non-conference. That's a real stat. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they're really, really, really good on defense. So um, you're right. I think it, Idaho's going to have to slug it out. That's interesting. You mentioned the personal fouls. I, I guess I hadn't uh, been paid attention to that as much. That has been an issue. That seems like a, a carryover issue, right? I mean, I felt like they got a lot of personal fouls last time they were in Missoula. Yeah, that's a that's a problem of you have nine years of bad coaching. Well, realistically, a whole lot more than nine years of bad coaching. You have. Uh, an institutional problem at this point of just being undisciplined. It's, I think it's going to take Eck a lot of time to turn that around. Um, we are, we are closing in on, uh, on the 40 minute range. We try to keep these kind of short Coulter. How's this game going to go? What are you expecting to see? What do you think the score is going to be? Man, I think that, uh, I think Idaho will be able to hang with Montana physically. I, I do think that that's, that's one of the parts of the Idaho uh, sort of culture, regardless of who the head coach has been, that I have been sort of impressed with. It is interesting how there's certain characteristics in athletic departments that sometimes get shared. I, I would say that most of the Vandals teams that we cover uh, at Skyline Sports are, are tough. I think that that's a defining factor. I think there's a lot of toughness there. Um, you know, maybe that comes from it. Your former AD came from Butte America. You know, I don't know, but <laughs> but. Um, I think that I think that Idaho will be able to go blow for blow with Montana a little bit, just in just within uh, the uh, you know at the line of scrimmage and and in the in the realm of physicality. But I also think that um, Jason Eck better know what he's getting into coming to Missoula, particularly when it comes to special teams, because that's where Bobby Howe just flips the game on its head. You know, it's the little things. Like if you run the same punt protection two times in a row and then you run it a third time. You're you're gonna Montana's gonna block it, or they're gonna get close to blocking it. How's that good at being able to exploit little things like that? And when the Grizz harness that momentum, they, they might. Even, I mean, sometimes they just play outside their minds and they just score in these crazy flurries. I mean, they had a 26 point run against Portland State, where they only scored on offense twice. They scored on defense and special teams, and you know, and they go for two and get a safety, and all of a sudden it's 39 to 14 at halftime, and. You know, Robbie Houck has a touchdown, and what the hell just happened, you know? So uh, they, my Idaho's just going to have to weather that part of it as well. And I'm so interested to see how Giovanni McCoy does uh, against the Grizz defense. But I think Montana will be uh, pretty stout across the board. I think that coming off of a bye and having had a not very great performance to close out that Idaho State game, uh, I bet you last week was not a fun week at practice for the Grizz. And uh, so I think they'll be chopping at the bit. They're just so dang good at home. That style is so hard to handle at home. And with a freshman quarterback, uh, it, I think he's going to have a hard time in the atmosphere. Um, but I, I do think Idaho will hang a little bit. I haven't really even thought what I think the score will be. I think. Have you guys seen a line on this? Do you know what the opening line is? 
let me check with our research department and I'll get back to you. Okay. Well, regardless, I, I mean, I, I do think that Idaho will be able to put up a fight, but I do think Montana will, will roll in this game. I think they're, they're just too good at home. And uh, I do think there's a lot to be excited about at Idaho, though. I'm with Coulter in that I think it's going to be a pretty damn tough game. This is for Idaho. Benefit for Idaho of the early season schedule is Montana has neither the best defense nor the best offense that this team has faced. But Montana's you guys, Montana's just good across the board, Coulter, like you talked about. Um, Idaho's been able to hang in terms of like physicality and being like, we've had the mental lapses, but the team has been much more mentally tough than the last, any team Idaho's had since dropping down in, in 2018. So I expect Montana is going to win this game, but I expect it's going to be a game that is still, the result is in doubt well into the fourth quarter. So I'm going to say Montana 24, 17 um, in a game where honestly, again, I'm really, the thing for me that I'm watching on I, for Idaho offensively is how quickly and how, com- how comfortable of Jason has Jason Eck become with Giovanni McCoy. Because like you said, Coulter, Montana stops the run. Idaho's offensive line is a relative weakness of, of this team. If Idaho's not able to run, which are per, per rush stats are not fantastic on the season, like 3.9 yards per rush. If Idaho's not able to establish a run, how quickly will we open it up and play a way that we haven't really seen Idaho play for extended periods? For me, this is all about, can Idaho finally put together a full game? Uh, they have not done that. And again, you play who you play. So you have two power five schools. You're not expected to put together four incredible quarters there. Then unfortunately you play a couple of cream puffs in Drake and Northern Colorado. And you, you make some mistakes there that are forgivable because you just, you out talent them at the end of the day. This game for Idaho is going to come down to, can they start converting on third downs a little bit better? Can McCoy continue to not turn the ball over, especially in what might be the hardest environment he's going to see this year? Obviously, uh, playing down in Pullman is tough, but it's also it's a seven-minute drive from home. A little bit different than truly going on the road, going hours and hours away from Moscow into an environment where there's going to be 26,000 people screaming at you the whole time. For that's the, That's the big thing for Idaho. For Montana, it's this is probably going to be the first time. I know that the Idaho State was a little close, but this is probably the first time they're going to get punched in the face. How do they react to that? Uh, if this is if this is the time for this team to show that they are a national championship contender, how do they handle when the rival punches them in the face and hopefully doesn't roll over midway through the second quarter like Paul Petrino's teams typically did? So um, any last thoughts, gentlemen, uh, on this game? Anything that we didn't discuss that you guys wanted to make sure we talked about? Well, first, I have to let listeners know, Martin just messaged us in. He had to bail, and he came very close to accidentally just killing the broadcast on his way out the door. So, Martin, thank you uh, for not doing that. Um, Coulter, I'll let you go first. I just have to throw that in. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm excited for this game. I uh, It's been a crazy fall for us in our travel schedules and you know, I'm the I'm the guy who decides where everybody goes at Skyline Sports, and I somehow put myself on the road the first five weeks of the year. So Saturday would be the first time that I slept uh, in my own bed uh, <laughs> on a Saturday night during football season. So that'll be interesting. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for this game though because I think that it, it was almost certain the Grizz were going to roll to their first five victories of the year, and uh, now they get a, a test. And I think that this is what you know watching 
the conference slate play out. I think it's fun that Idaho's undefeated. I think it's fun that uh, this is a rivalry game that maybe has a little bit of, of renewed energy because of Jason Eck's presence there. And uh, I do think that Eck, uh, if he can settle in, I think he'll be ready to roll because I do think he's a great offensive coach. I think they'll have a plan. So I, I just I think this is going to be a fun game on Saturday, and uh, it's the first Grizz game that I've been I, I've been excited to cover a couple of the Cat games because they've had better uh, opponents or interesting matchups uh, thus far. You know, particularly UC Davis and Eastern Washington were at least a little bit intriguing, and uh, this is the first Grizz game I've been excited for. So I think it'll be a fun one on Saturday. Sorry, I was waiting to see if Brian had a reaction. No, um, I mean, look what what Coulter's talking about now. This isn't this isn't a matchup thing. Um, I, I will say from the Vandal end, mm-hmm. this this season has just it's been all excitement and yeah. like all energy in a way that we haven't had since dropping down. And this is going to be this is going to be the first time heading into Montana. There are real expectations for the team, but from my end, this doesn't feel like a burden. Because, look, Montana still is the class of the FCS. This is more, to me, an opportunity for Idaho. Um, Idaho, look, their ceiling right now is probably fringe playoff team. Uh, yeah. If things break well for Idaho, there's a potential fifth team in the big sky, in the big sky making the playoffs where you don't get a bye in the first round. This, to me, uh, from the Idaho end, is finally playing You know the top-end big FCS teams. I want just seeing how Idaho reacts to the, the different times that look Dallas talked about Idaho punching Montana in the mouth. Montana is going to punch Idaho in the mouth a few times this game. We know that offensively. I've already talked about that. Uh, we haven't talked about that with you, Coulter. One of the biggest things that people are stoked about with this Idaho coaching staff is defensive coordinator, Rob Orich yeah. and the schematic changes with mostly the same dudes from last year that have yielded radically different results, specifically in the secondary where for, Last season, Idaho is one of the worst secondaries in the big sky. Picked off two passes the entire season. This and forced eight turnovers as a team the entire season. This team's already forced 10 turnovers. So Idaho, how how Idaho responds to getting punched in the mouth from Montana and whether Idaho defensively can force the turnovers like they have throughout this season is I guess another you might call it a key to the game to me because Idaho. Idaho at this point does not have the depth Montana has, especially up front, both defensively and offensively, which means the Vandals have to make some stuff go right the way Montana typically does. Coulter, your examples, of course, of like scoring defensive and special team touchdowns are a version of that. Idaho's been able to do that in most of their games this season. Whether defensively we can force a touchdown, force enough turnovers to uh, maybe at least have some doubt creep into Montana is, I guess, the last thing I'm paying attention to. Because this de- defensively, Idaho, ha- though we've had the disciplinary issues we talked about, the team absolutely is still made plays on that side of the ball. And they're going to have to, to keep this game close. All right, gentlemen. I could not find our, our excuse me, our research department could not find a line, could not find a spread. Me neither. There's, there's, none, there's none on the, the Montana sports books yet. Um, so I I think that means that it's a close line and they don't want any action on it yet. So they're just uh, not releasing it. So that's interesting. I, I think I guess the last point I'd make is that, uh, like I've said on my ESPN radio show, uh, talent and toughness have been far down the list uh, of Idaho's issues since they came back to the Big Sky Conference. And uh, if you come to 
Montana this year, and you know it's a lopsided loss because because of like Montana's just better than you. If you have a good effort and you hang a little bit, then I think that's a good step for Idaho. It's it's more like when they would just melt down and beat themselves, or they would just reflect Paul Petrino melting down and beat themselves. Uh, that that was tough to watch because they did have some talented teams. So uh, j- just the mentality of the team, I think they could build a lot off of this. I mean, if they are going to be a fringe playoff team, they're going to lose three or four games. So if you just have a good effort in this game, it can give you some confidence moving forward down the rest of your uh, down to the second half of your schedule. All right, guys. Score predictions. Brian, we're going to go to you first. 24-17, like I already said. Coulter. Um, Montana wins 24-17. Yeah, man, I'm going to say 35-14, Montana. Ooh. I'm going to go 28-24, Montana. I just don't think this is the year. 2023, Vandals. Circle the calendar right now. Little Brownstein comes back to Moscow 2023. And it doesn't leave the Kibbe Dome. This is not the year, but next year just might be. That was Around the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. Coulter, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to hang around and join us for Big Sky Pickums? It's unfortunately past my bedtime, guys. But I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. And uh, send me the file. We'll put it up on Skyline Sports, too. But thanks for having me, man. And I, uh, I'm excited that there's a little juice uh, back in the rivalry and excited for you guys because... Uh, just on a personal level, I really like Coach Eck, and I think he's going to do a great job there. So, um, congratulations! You got you got a coach that cares about the fans. I know Montana fans could only be so lucky. <laughs> Shots fired at the end of the podcast, but uh, appreciate you having me, guys. Always a pleasure, Coulter. Thank you again. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and are ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. Check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing white rotter, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call now, 800-262-1882. Again, that's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. All right, Brian. Now that Coulter's gone, now we can talk a whole bunch of trash about top five Portland State. Nope, your face nope, it doesn't seem like that's going to be it. No, Brian wants to talk. Are we ever going to miss another Big Sky Pick'em? I don't do a great job of tooting my own horn here. So, Brian, what are you getting at when you're saying, will we ever miss another Big Sky Pick? Brian, you're muted. That was a long pause there because I had to navigate. I thought I muted the mic, which uh, that's a throwback to when I did the Big Sky podcast power rankings last uh, on Sunday. Started off with a two-minute mute. You're welcome. So um, we're about to pick the Big Sky. And bring I bring this up because Dallas and I, we're sitting at 40 and three picking Big Sky games on the year. Neither of us have had a, a, a missed pick in a month. 
So again, I get Dallas says he he struggles with tuning his own horn. Well, I don't have that problem. You guys want to make some money? Obviously, listen to our picks and then use that. It'd be a money line pick. You wouldn't be able to uh, to to do that for spreads because those are not published FCS typically by this time. Captain fifty eight in the comments section saying epic two minute mute. God damn right on Sunday at like eleven p.m. That was an epic two minute mute. Um, if you want to listen to that, you can't because I banished it from the record. But the most interesting part of the show is obviously us not talking about football, right, Dallas? So I suppose now would be as, as good a time as any to get into picking the big sky. Unless, was there anything after hearing Coulter talk about Montana, anything you want to go over or you just want to pick the big sky and get the hell out? No, I mean, uh, I, again, Coulter is smarter than I think. Uh, at least I am. I don't. I don't know enough about uh, your perception of with Montana football. I know that you have some uh, some ties there. Uh, he knows a whole lot more about Montana football than I do. I, I did a bunch of research, and he talked about a bunch of guys that are going to be impact players. I do think the key of this game is is going to be Robbie Hauk. If they can get a couple balls behind him. Idaho's got a got a shot. Otherwise, the, that defense is terrifying. I know they've played nobody, but th- that is terrifying. That's about the only thing I had to to really double down on is I think Robbie Houck is the key to that game. Yeah, I think Hayden Hatton's going to be a, a, the matchup down the middle. You know, Coulter talked about intermediate passes down the middle. Hayden Hatton's that guy. That's that's absolutely his wheelhouse for Idaho. Uh, and Jermaine Jackson going deep has been, has been about as good as anyone in the FCS. You're, you talked about Michael Graves as being a revelation. He Like every pass he seems to catch seems to be an important one in the scope of the game. So look, Idaho has the tools. Uh, it's going to be a separate question of, do we have the line to buy enough time for Giovanni McCoy? Because uh, I think line-wise, this will feel close. It's not going to feel the same in my mind as Washington State, but it's going to be sure as hell a lot closer to the Washington State game than NAU or Northern Colorado games in terms of the amount of time Giovanni McCoy has, how much time he has to buy with his legs. Um, who Justin Ford from Montana covers is another question of, you know, one of the things the Grizz fan guys talked about is sometimes Bobby Howe doesn't want to move his best corner or either of his corners around to change the matchup. He just wants them where he wants them. And opposing offenses will just put their best receiver in the slot. And that's where the safeties are going to match up. So uh, whether that's something that happens for Idaho and how quickly and how much Eck is willing to rely on the pass game, if Idaho can't run. And I'm not saying there's a 0% chance, but Montana is going to be a tough team for Idaho to bully on on the offensive line. So to me, if Idaho wins this game on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to have to be through the air. I couldn't agree more. I, I just don't see this is not a game that is going to come down to the to the legs of Idaho's three-headed monster. This is a game that's going to yeah. come down to McCoy's arm. And for anybody that's tracking, the only interceptions McCoy threw were against Wazoo when he was sacked six times. So the well, McCoy the against line. FCS teams is completing like 80% of his passes. Mm-hmm. So I guess when I say that, it's more of a coaching question. And the line can the offensive line buy Giovanni enough time? Because Giovanni he hasn't had enough repetitions to have the in your face kind of stat lines that other quarterbacks ha- have had. Like, you know, like RJ Martinez for NAU last week against Cal Poly, he got thrown over 35 times. Well, Giovanni McCoy hasn't got to do that. So some of his stat lines are not quite as sexy, but he gets the ball where he needs to get to, he gets it there on time and his arm is good. So he's got the things that we would need if Idaho is going to be able to exploit Montana through the air. Uh, it's to me really a question of one, 
does he get enough time? And two, X-Men incredibly flexible. And Schleisner, been, they have been flexible play calling. That's been a trademark. Eck has really tried to ram into Idaho fan base since his first press conference of there isn't an offense. There is a talent base that we build around. Um, I think it was good last week, the two weeks ago, that Giovanni McCoy got a little bit more extended run against Northern Colorado. I think that there's clearly building confidence in Giovanni McCoy. Uh, this just might be a flashpoint. Couldn't agree more. Brian, we are almost at the hour mark already. Let's jump into Big Sky Pick'em. We're going to start off with the hottest game of the week, Cal Poly at Idaho State. So again, producer Martin has already left us, so I will just read off his picks, and then Brian, uh, you can jump in, and then I'll, I'll fill in with mine. Uh, Martin is taking Coward Polly in this game. Uh, no notes next to it, just CP, and that does not stand for what most people think of when you say CP. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Cal Poly. Um, Cal Poly can't defend whatsoever. So Idaho state might look competent offensively, but uh, Cal Poly can certainly move the ball through the air. Spencer Brash as the backup has been pretty damn serviceable. No news on Jane Jones playing yet. Jane Jones plays to for Cal Poly who he's a dual threat there. To me, it's no question Cal Poly wins, but I just, I just don't think, I think Cal Poly is seeing Idaho state as a must win. And I think Cal Poly offensively has the tools to get it done. And I just don't think Idaho state has enough offensively yet playing their likely third string quarterback again. So Cal Poly. Exactly. I, as long as Sagan grown hours there, he's probably a good kid. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup and I feel bad trashing him, but he's not particularly good. That's why he's their third string quarterback. He's the third string quarterback on the worst team in the big sky. Like, I just don't see it happening. It's in Pocatello, which, yes, does help when you have 50 of your own fans instead of 40 of Cal Poly's fans in the stands. But I, this is these are two programs. Cal Poly is slowly building on the rise. Idaho State is obviously bottoming out as they are rebuilding. Raggle's got a heck of a job in front of him. I just don't see it happening. It's, it's Cal Poly this week. Next up, Montana State at the Fighting Ed McCaffrey's. We've so got was- Martin. Martin says Montana State. Uh, look, I on the Big Sky Podcast Network show, I've said I've stuck a fork in Northern Colorado, so like I, I just won't talk about them that much anymore. Uh, Montana State's going to have no trouble ru- rushing it down Northern Colorado's throat. Northern Colorado's uh, assault of one yard passes is going to do nothing to Montana State. This is going to be pretty damn ugly, pretty pretty damn fast, Montana State. Yeah, this is this is not a question. Um, Montana State is probably going to do to Northern Colorado what Idaho should have done to them. This is not going to be close. It will be over very, very, very quickly. Um, the only interesting thing about this game is is Chambers better than Malat. That's that's the only intriguing thing about this game. This is this is not going to be close. Vegans already said Malat starting. So fair enough. That ends the any intrigue I had in this game is is shot in the head now. So, all right, moving on. Weber State at top five Portland State. Should have ended up asking Coulter about that one since for anybody that doesn't know the top five Portland State joke, that came out of Coulter calling Portland State at one point on our show a top five program in the big sky, and we've just kind of always made this inside joke. for So for our newer listeners, that's where top five Portland State comes from. Martin has picked Sac State. Brian, who you got? Now you, of course, mean that Martin picked Weber State. And I'm going to double down on on picking Weber State. Look, the Wildcats have had one game this season, but they've scored under 40 points, which means the uh, 
offense run by Mickey Mental. Thanks you, Dallas, for that correction. Uh, offensive coordinator Mickey Mental has been a huge addition for Weber State. It, honestly, the Wildcats can defend anyone, and they look like they can score on virtually anyone. Portland State's not good enough defensively to force the turnovers that they're going to need to keep Weber out of the, out of the end zone. So Weber State's going to win this easy. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Jay Hill's defenses have always been incredible, and the problem in Weber has always been that they win games ten to seven or thirteen to seven. And he, it appears that after I don't know four offensive coordinators in six years or whatever the rig- ridiculous number is, Jay Hill has finally let Mickey Mental of all people just here's the keys to the offense. Do whatever the hell you want, and it's it's absolutely working for them. I think they're the best team in this conference. I think they're going to demolish Portland State and just move Barnum one step closer to being an analyst with Montana next year. I buried the lead on this one a little bit. Sacramento State at Eastern Washington. That's why I said SAC uh, earlier for Martin because it's late, well well past either of our bedtimes. So Martin has taken Sacramento State against Eastern Washington. Yeah, Sacramento State. The problem for Eastern Washington is they can't guard anyone. And Sacramento mm-hmm. State, look, at, I just talk about Weber State being able to, to score effectively. Sacramento State moves the ball much better than Weber State. Their low scoring output this season has been 37. They've hung 50 on teams multiple times. Uh, Sac State can both move the ball through the air. We've talked about the two-quarterback system. They also might have the most physical rusher in the league in Cameron Scadaboo, averaging eight yards per rush, pass-catching threat too. So, yeah, Sacramento State's going to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sac State, I mean, Colorado State is absolute butt cheeks, but Sac State does have a group of five FBS win on the season. They absolutely destroyed Cal Poly, absolutely destroyed Northern Colorado. Eastern is a considerable step up, I think, from all three of those programs that they've just beaten. But that's still not a sign for this to be anything other than Sac State winning this by probably three touchdowns uh, brian brian hit the nail on the head eastern just can't defend anybody the the folks in cheney it is unfortunate they have about the hardest schedule you could ever draw up they're just they're better than their record is going to show at the end of the year but they're they're not gonna they're not gonna hang with sac state next up we've got northern arizona against the hawkins family in davis martin has picked davis Picking Davis, I think Northern Arizona is Dallas. You talked about them, and you meant historically. Northern Arizona is kind of like the Mendoza Lion team of if you beat them, you're okay. If you lose to them, you suck. Um, I think NAU just sucks. Uh, I think that Davis is gonna. This is a get right game of sorts for Davis. Who Davis is okay. I think they're overrated, but Northern Arizona help. They just barely beat Cal Poly. We I thought we talked a second ago. Cal Poly Cal Poly can't stop anyone. And it took a big sky player of the week game from RJ Martinez from at Northern Arizona and Bo Baldwin making bad gambles on uh, going for two instead of extra points. That's how NAU eked that one out. Davis is going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, as much as I want to hate Davis for, for Dan Hawkins, and I think most of us probably still have some, some resentment there uh, as much hatred as I have for him in that program they're going to they're going to clobber northern colorado or excuse me northern arizona they're just nau now a part of why nau sucks so bad is that rj martinez went from being freshman of the year to one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference shockingly when it looked like he would probably end up being one of the best maybe he's just flashing the pan who knows 
long story short, he's going to get eaten alive by Davis. This this one's not going to be close, not going to be pretty. NAU is, is not a good football team. Well, and NAU has – they looked okay defensively for a couple of weeks, and we know that that was that was a mirage. NAU is not a strong defensive mm-hmm. football team. And that takes us, lastly, to, again, the actual game of the week, Idaho at Montana for the Little Brownstein. Brian went 24-17 Montana. I went 28-24 Montana. Uh, Captain58 in the chat saying 28-24 Grizz or 31-28 Vandals. It's a toss-up. Vonnie's going to have the ball with a chance to win it at the end. Martin, in typical Martin fashion, Idaho by a mile. Never change, Martin. Please never change. I need that optimism in my life. I would love for Idaho to just come out there and pulverize Montana. Brian and I don't see it happening, but hey, hopefully this is the week that we both get a big sky game wrong. And hopefully it's this one. No, but I, we, we both believe this is going to be competitive in a way that you and I, look, you weren't on the show in 2018. Neither was I, but you and I all three years would have both picked Montana blowouts and been right the last three years. This is the first time that you and I both feel, look, this is Montana is a top five team in the FCS for a reason. And we think Idaho is going to be able to, to hang. That's a representative step forward. This is the type of game where I'd tell fans just absolutely get into it, enjoy the hell out of it, but keep in mind that Montana is the kind of program Idaho is trying to build toward. It it took Bobby Houck more than a year to get Montana where they're at now. Look in Bobby Houck's first year back at Montana where he had a stronger base to build off of. Montana did not make the playoffs. In Jason next first year, at Idaho, we're looking like we're a step ahead of where Bobby Hawk was in year one when he came to Montana. So if this is a competitive loss, it sucks. Be pissed about it, but still know that the ride of this Idaho team has been kick-ass and a competitive game this week is just going to be another another version of that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, we've got, I do have to call out one, one last final score prediction here. The OG of Tubbs at the club, Sean Kramer, calling out 28-24 for Idaho. Fingers crossed we get a Vandal win this weekend. Brian Marceau is actually going to be doing tubs on location in Missoula. And by tubs on location, I mean he's going to go there as a fan, enjoy the game, and then drive back home. He is not actually doing tubs on location. I just wanted to see his his eyes and his reaction. So if you're watching live, you saw Brian just shit himself because I said that, and he has already confirmed with us he's not doing the reaction show this weekend. Just wanted to put a little fire under the feet there. So what that means... Producer, seducer, Martin Heemstra, and I will be reacting to the Idaho game, win or lose, sometime shortly after the game. We will keep you guys posted. It should be a more instant reaction than our last one was. Brian, any final thoughts? Yeah, well, the reaction I had was thinking, sweet, I get to take this tech catastrophe on the road. Exactly what Tubbs the Club needs. Staying on brand. Uh, We've done road shows, and they could not be any worse than that one had gone. Are you sure that starting an episode on mute for two solid minutes is not worse? Yes. Yes. Because you can correct that. Okay. If you say so. So I guess the last thing to add is a, the sponsor of our last segment is the sponsor of every segment. Hashtag only tubs helps out at patreon.com backslash tubs, the club. Every subscriber helps us out. Every, every donation you guys get, it makes a big deal in what we can do operationally. Uh, And another way to help us on with the show Hit the subscribe to our YouTube channel, even if you don't care about the notifications. When we get a thousand YouTube subscribers, YouTube pays us. So your your subscription absolutely helps us. 
uh, Patreon patrons obviously help us. Uh, but anyway, our patrons kick ass. We're going to definitely hear from them during the discord throughout this, throughout this game. So those are my final thoughts with that. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. That's an unbelievable fuck up. We're going to, man, two minutes of muted talk. We're going to, we're going to start. Oh man, we're just going to start that over. Good Lord. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.